Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Steve. And this is a podcast for creatives. Two friends talking about the complex, messy, and beautiful experience that is being a creative. I saw an ad um, before the Super Bowl. It wasn't a Super Bowl commercial this year, but it was from Carter's. Um, and um, we're big Carter's fans in our house. My son is really pretty much only outfitted in Carter's clothing and whatnot. Um, so it was interesting because I came across it on LinkedIn from somebody in their, in their development, their creative um, side of the house. And he had shared it out and said that, you know, Carter's isn't paying for a Super Bowl ad this year, but uh, you know, in essence, this, this is our, this is our ad. If you know someone who, who could benefit from seeing this or needs to see this, share it with them. And I love the concept on the surface because I don't know. I'm, I'm always, I love word of mouth for someone who doesn't like recommendations. I do like when things t- catch on in very like under undercurrent, you know, ways. Um, but in essence, the whole ad was kind of centered around, you know, how life has changed right since the pandemic and, and, um, you know, moms are, you know, the mom walks into her home and she's getting emails. Julia, I know you're getting back into the swing of things at the office. Juggling work. A new baby. A new everything. It's not easy. Not by a long shot. But I wanted you to know how much we all appreciate you. It's a tough job, being everything to everyone. And I know you expect so much from yourself, but everything you're giving us is enough. You are enough. And you're doing better than you know, especially where it matters most. It's a message that I think a lot of moms and dads, because I needed to hear it, but need to hear, uh, probably needed to hear, which is what I, I, I love. And it got me thinking like, you know, there was nothing in the ad about pushing product. There was nothing in the ad about, um, you know, sales or, or, or anything like that. You know, it wasn't even like Carter's is here for you. It was just about the person at the heart of what matters most to Carter's, which is, you know, kids and, and, and families and, you know, reminding people that they are enough. And, you know, it was a tent pole in, in their, uh, of their brand. And it was almost like that, that spot was a direct, you could ladder back to what Carter's believes in and stands for. And it was so clear. And so to the point that I was just struck by how I felt after watching it. And, it sort of got me thinking in this in this era of, and I know you are, are sort of um, held hostage by the way these ads are structured. You know, you know when you're watching Super Bowl commercials and the brand bowls and all these other things, right? But so many things are fired after, at you one after the other after the other that to have any ability to sort of like have one of those wash over you and like really affect you and stay with you is is really difficult so i admire the way that that carters went about it um but it also sort of got me thinking about how we look at content and how we're defining success you know of our content of the pieces that we create 
because I, I I'm hard pressed to recall a Carter spot, something from Carter's. I mean, I can't say that I, I don't follow them necessarily on social, although I had done a little digging after seeing the ad to see, and, and, you know, they don't necessarily produce a significant amount of, of these types of, of, of pieces, but the ones that they did really hit home. And this argument of volume versus impact sort of, you know, came up in my mind and, you know, how many brands actually create for volume's sake versus the ones that really know their audience, hit their spot, and do so in an effective manner that here we are talking about it two weeks after I saw it because it still had that big of an impact on me. Mm. Well, I feel like you're you're validating uh, <laughs> my frustrations and personal, um, not beliefs, but I guess personal preference that I prefer work that is well thought, thought out and that will have an impact like this commercial had on you where you're sharing it, you're talking to other people about it and still thinking about it weeks later. And I don't think that that sort of medium is really, I don't know that it's not appreciated, but it's not what all the experts are saying that we should be creating right now. I think the message that I'm getting anyway, and again, this could be my bias of feeling so much on the other side of this and getting really frustrated <laughs> by what everyone's saying you should be doing, which is lots of content, short, disposable, and I mean, I essentially feel like it's it's junk food. And mm. most of us um, will eat junk food. Like I, I kind of equate it to like when I go on my Instagram feed now, it's mostly reels because that's what Instagram is has uh, deemed to be, uh, I guess, you know, the most valuable for them. Yeah, like, what they're featuring more more now. Advertising wise, which which right. makes sense because it's like a moving picture is going to catch our attention much more than a still image. It's going to engage us, like whether we care about the content or not. But it, it almost feels like, okay, if you keep if you keep offering me French fries, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat them. But it may not necessarily be the thing that I want. Right. And then I guess my thing is too, like, cause you're making the point from the consumer side of things. And I think that's the right, that's the right perspective because the thought process always has to be about how this is going to be from the user experience side. Like if you feel like from your standpoint, if you're creating content from the standpoint of, of, of volume, you know, the more I can get out there, the more times I mention my name, the more I'm in people's feeds, the more it's going to resonate. Um, if it seems cluttered, you know, if, if, if it seems cluttered to you, you know, if, if you're having a hard time kind of seeing the real message and all of that, imagine how it is for your audience to see that. Right. I mean, they have to feel the same way. If, if not, they've already tuned out. I remember seeing this uh, example or reading this example a while back about the differences between marketing and advertising and um, and branding. And the concept was basically a conversation between two people and on the marketing slide, 
one person was saying to the other person, you know, you know, let's say that he's a baker. Um, I bake great cookies. Right. And then there's just one thing. This is what I do. You're telling people what you do. Advertising, the advertising slide again, same conversation between two people. The one person is saying it over and over again. I bake great cookies. I bake great cookies. I bake great cookies. Right. So you're, you're hoping by repetition and saying it frequently enough that it's going to kind of resonate. And then the concept the, the slide for, for branding, again, same setup with the conversation between the two people, but the other person in the conversation starts and says, I understand you bake great cookies. It's something that that person knows about you. And the idea is, is that between word of mouth, between experiences, between, um, you know, moments, you know, you have that feeling about that entity before that person even has to tell you what they do. And I feel like that's what Carter's did like really well in all of this. Like they, you know, of course we know what Carter's exists to do, but on the surface, if you don't have kids, you know, if you don't have that connection, you might just think, Oh yeah, they do kids clothing. But like for, for the moms and the, and the parents and the people who need that message, it it goes beyond that. It's, it's a community of people who are, going through a similar situation together. And, and, you know, so for, for that key audience, you know, they know Carter's is more than just clothing. And I think that kind of comes with key message points versus just blitzing, you know, or, or the balance is probably more ratioed the way it should be with content creation. You brought up a, a good point with that in that, you know, for someone like me who doesn't have kids, I could watch that and, you know, it's, it's not going to resonate with me in the same way, but like when it comes down to it, when you're thinking of Carter's bottom line, like I don't really have a reason to buy baby clothes. So it doesn't matter that it's not hitting with me. It's, it's hitting with the people that they're, they're catering it to their customers, which is the smart thing to do versus blasting out, you know, they could have taken the tactic of instead of creating that thoughtful spot they could have, you know, just tweeted out like, buy these, you know, buy these boys shorts right, over right. and over again and like put it out. This is like a, a, a micro lesson in, um, you know, people say we, we want to appeal to everyone. We don't want to leave anyone out. Okay. But if they put that in my feed like 20 times, like it's still not going to matter to me because I'm not, I don't have a reason to buy it. Right. So the fact that they took the time to really understand what their ideal person is struggling with and going through and just letting them know that like not only do we have the clothes that we need for your your kids and your babies but like we also have your back like we know we know what you're dealing with like we're with you yeah and i think like you know this kind of begs the question about how we you know people in our field like approach the work because you know, content calendars are a real thing, right? And and we all have secrets and we all have things that work for us. But I don't, I don't, you know, I, I think I'm starting to come to the standpoint of like volume for the sake of volume, like has to sort of stop, like filling your content calendars for the sake of, of content. You're never going to be able to get to the content that matters because you're, you're going to have so much in front of you that you feel like you have to do because for some reason you think it's, you know, important and maybe it is, you know, but how is the consumer kind of receiving all of that? And are you really getting at the heart of what your brand is? And is that clear through 
the high volume of content. I don't know how often brands who or 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 entities that that produce content at such a rapid pace do so with with great success. There are outliers to it. Um, I would I would think we've joked about people like Gary Vaynerchuk in the past, you know, with with his high volume of content. And, and certainly we're, you know, you know, maybe that works for him and maybe that's successful on his end. But most of us don't have those audiences and those numbers and those followers and things like that. So getting people to really kind of come to an understanding of who you are, what you stand for, and then creating content that matches their their feelings about you. I think it's more important to play an impact game with your content and less about the volume that you're creating. I think it's also though, like you didn't use this word, but you're, you're describing it. It's, it's consistency and consistency does not necessarily mean, okay, I have to post every day or I have to post once a week. It's, it's also consistency in your messaging in, in what you're sharing, what you're saying. When you saw that Carter's commercial, you already knew them. So it didn't feel like you had to like learn something new because all of all of our brains are like definitely like overstuffed right. right now. We don't, we don't have the capacity to like take in. We have a lot of new stuff coming at us every day anyway. Um, so if you're able to have messaging and, and create pieces, even if you're, you know, you're only putting them out once a month, it's when someone sees it, they say like, Steve made that. I like, one second in. I know that that's him because I know what he stands for. So we started something new. I'm usually going to you with ideas. So I think I was so excited that I barely listened to what you said and I was like, you know what? Sure, let's do it. Could have said anything <laughs> right there at that point in time, couldn't I? Michelle and I grew up in the 90s and we've noticed, I think over the years, that a lot of the uh, references that we end up dropping in our podcast end up coming from that period in our childhood. We were a TV generation, so we remember a lot of these offbeat commercials and a lot of these things that um, were a part of our childhood. And I thought it would be fun to kind of like look back at them. We don't really watch commercials anymore in, in this day and age. You know, ads are usually something that we're doing anything that we could possibly do to skip over. Funny commercials or, or commercials with memorable jingles have stayed with us over the years. Uh, and this platform, this this commercial breakdown show gave us the opportunity to bring some of them back and, you know, relive a few of these moments with, with all of you and, you know, reflect fondly on them. So if you get a chance, go into one of our pod for creative social profiles or go to our website and look for commercial breakdown which is the name of our show i time this it takes literally four seconds of your time subscribe to our youtube channel and hit that thumbs up button if you have a friend or a sibling or someone um, that you remember talking to about the commercials that that we're showcasing certainly anywhere where you can share it we would really appreciate it and i think from the carter's example i mean that's specific because they they went about it in a unique way of getting you know share this with someone who you know this is going to have an impact with which i think is a really a really creative way to spread a message you know so much kind of spreads on social media but 
are you sharing it with the people who it's going to have the biggest impact with, or are you sharing it because the tool is built for you to share content, retweet it, you know, whatever. I, I, I really appreciated the way that they did this. And I know not everyone can sort of structure their, their, their releases or their content that way, but it was going to the right people. The platform that I saw it on being LinkedIn was targeted to, to, to people who are working and people who are, you know, working mothers and working parents. So like they really sort of zeroed in on the right audience that they wanted to have that message be seen by and then use their ambassadors or people who were really touched by that piece to then carry that forward and, and, and reach other people who were going to then be touched by that piece. Um, and it just seemed digestible. It just seemed doable. Um, you know, and I really, I, I, it just, it calls to mind the need to sort of remind ourselves, I think, to remember what our audience, you know, it goes back to the whole thing with brand. Like, it's not what you say it is. It's what they say it is. So it's, it's remembering what they say about you and what they feel about you and what they look to you for. And then creating content, creating these outward representation pieces with that in mind in order to reinforce that belief and then continue to grow that belief too. Now, I don't know how far your research went. Like, I don't know if Carter says it like has a TikTok or like how, <laughs> how active they are on social platforms. So maybe what I'm about to say, like, isn't valid, but the way that you're presenting this story is I see the Carter's creative team coming together and saying, Hey, okay, we have X amount of resources and X amount of time to push this message into the world, to share this message. And they could have taken that same, I'm going to call it a budget. And I don't, I don't mean it. I know that there's this means more than money because energy is also something that we're all strapped for right now. Mm-hmm. And they could have made, you know, 20 TikToks about where, I mean, they could have gone in a different direction and cater to working moms who, who use TikTok and maybe did something, you know, that was like more humorous about letting them know that they were understood in a different way. And maybe those would have been shared. And maybe if you went on like TikTok analytics, you would have seen, you know, how many eyes saw it. But right. I love the strategy in putting it out on LinkedIn. And I the story will be would be so much better if like if that truly was the only place where they put it. I don't know if that's true or not. Right. I, I can't say that I know. It in, I, I can't say that I know that for sure. But in, in doing some initial searches, the day that I saw it, I didn't see it in another place. It doesn't mean that it didn't find its way there. But the fact that they they teed it up with saying, "Hey, we're not going to do do a Super Bowl ad," which is another place and method they could have allocated those resources in that budget. And they said, "We're gonna we're gonna bring it here directly to the people who need to hear this message to let you right. know that like we have your back here." Um, and even just that really. I mean, it's kind of like a little bit of a vulnerable line to say, if this impacts you positively, like, could you please share it? I mean, I I know for myself, I struggle with saying some version of that because it feels like I'm I'm burdening people. But I think when you have 
a piece of content that's not just really good, but that you know will help people, even in a, you know, we all, I shouldn't say we all, I often put it on myself that I feel like I have to like change the world with every piece of content that I put out. But in this instance, it just made you feel and the people that you shared it with feel like they were understood. And that's, that's not just enough. That's like, that's more than enough. Yeah. And again, in a time where things seem so crazy and you don't really remember every ad that you see around, you know, a Super Bowl, you know, maybe you remember one or two things that resonated with you if you even caught some of them. Like, I think this was a smart way to kind of go about it just from a strategy standpoint. Um, and I know we're not all working. None of us are probably listening to this or working on any kind of remotely thing, remote, <laughs> remotely close to a Super Bowl budget. But like, I just thought it was a, a, a really smart pl play on on their part. And every piece of the strategy was aligned to their audience and what their audience thinks about them and takes away from them and carries forward with them. And, you know, it just got me thinking more about like, again, playing the impact game, you know, not not feeling like we have to build our content calendars to pack them full of opportunities to make sure we're hitting, you know, we're posting on this channel this amount of times a day and we're, we're copying, you know, we're doing stories and we're doing this. Like, you know, we did an episode a number of months ago about like, you don't have to be doing it just because everyone says you have to be doing it. And, you know, I think that message still rings true. I think it always has, you know, you should really should be doing what, what works best for, for your, your, your brand, or your entity. Um, but the pressure that you feel it's only coming from people who don't know your brand and your audience. And would you listen to them in any other circumstance, in any other situation, if they were giving you advice about how to do something? Probably not. So I think it's probably, you know, wise to not get caught up with what you're seeing and then feeling the need to chase that and just kind of sticking through and to um, your plan. I'm also thinking that things might start to swing or people might start to get wise in taking a different strategy to, to sharing their work. I kind of keep coming back around to this idea of like reverting back to like the old days, even like pre-internet. Um, I mean, Carter's did it gave us this great example of, okay, we're going to share this on LinkedIn because the, uh, we are going to go directly to where like the target audience is. And when I think about sitting down to create content, always in the back of my head is I'm going to be putting this out into a space that is like noisy and overrun Right. And it's, there's a very good chance that it's either not going to be seen or it's not going to make an impact, even if I think it is impactful or that's the way that I've designed it to be. So I've been trying to think of like alternate strategies about like, let's, let's simplify this. Who is it that I actually want to reach and where are they? Because for the last, I don't know, five to 10 years, my strategy has been make something, 
and put it out there and most people will see it and the right people will respond to it. But it's kind of like you have to cast a wide net. And now I feel like casting a wide net is like really a waste of our time. It would be much more efficient for us to, and the reason I said kind of like pre-internet is like, if you sell, we'll stay with like the baby stuff. Say you like you knit hats for babies, like go directly to the place where, where new moms hang out or grandmas hang out. And that might be something like in your town. It might be an in-person thing or it might be a, you know, some sort of group on the internet, but just, just putting it out into like, into your Instagram feed or your, or your Twitter feed or wherever, even like TikTok, it's like, okay, someone might see it, but probably not. Well, and I think too, like this shouldn't, like what we're talking about shouldn't be a knock on testing. Like I still think you have to, you still have to test and try things. Right. I think, I think part of that is, 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 Part of that is really more or less about testing is completely different than volume, like, you know, uh, for the sake of, of, of volume. Um, I think, I think testing is a necessary, is a necessary means when you're running a brand specifically with content creation, like this, I think this argument is more about the pressure that we're, that we're putting on ourselves to consistently churn out things and push things out there and, I think at the end of the day that that hurts our creativity. I think we get so burned out by trying to put as much as we can into things that like the quality of the product starts to suffer and it doesn't become fun. It becomes more of a grind after a while. It doesn't kind of give you that energy to, to, to do something. I always feel like when you have that nervous energy around a piece that you're creating, like you're kind of like not sure, but there's a part of you that feels like, oh, yeah, this is this is going to be good because you feel like it's it's true to your brand. I think when you're constantly trying to churn out and churn out and churn out, the creative abilities just sort of kind of get frayed and you don't really come to the table with your, you know, at your sharpest. I think that's this argument. It's not necessarily about like testing and trying and seeing. It's more about like when you are zeroing in on what it is, be, be, you know, go in there with a, with a, with a spotlight, you know, like go in there and shine the spotlight on it. Don't necessarily go in there and flip a light on in the room and hope that someone's going to see it, like go be, be narrow focused. You mentioned like the Carter's had a, you know, a budget. We don't know if it was like Super Bowl size, but a, a bigger budget than most people who are listening to this might have. But we still have our own <laughs> budgets. And I mentioned like, you know, we may have uh, money constraints. We may have, but we all definitely have energy constraints. And I think when we put that pressure on ourselves to say, oh, I got to put out 10 blog posts this month or I have to post on Instagram every day because someone else whose business is like mine is doing that. Right. We will burn out. And in doing that, we're really just diluting our our efforts, our content. And it's it's not going to be as good as that of that quality. And it's not going to make the impact that we want it to have. Right. Right. I think it's being being laser focused on your on your brand, on your on your, you know, your brand strategy, who your audience is, their what their expectations are of you, what they like about you. 
you know, and then sort of creating for that purpose and doing it for the impact's sake, not necessarily doing it because you want to try to bring in as many people as you, you know, that you possibly can be. If it's good and it resonates and it speaks to them, they're going to carry that forward, whether they're talking to, you know, potential clients, friends of theirs, people who can be benefited by what you do and what you stand for. I think that sort of comes naturally when you are creating with a purpose and for an impact. Earlier, you mentioned you use the phrase like tuning things out just because of the volume of stuff that's coming our way. I think that all of us right now are like looking at our screens with our eyes glazed over. I think yeah. we I think we are all tuned out to a degree. We're operating at like a lower level of of concentration and no one is going to give you their full attention unless you give them something that commands it or demands it. Demands yeah, it. I think, uh, yeah, I think both. I mean, you know, like we always talk about like thumb, thumb stopping, you know, you know, content and, but it has, you have to have a connection to that. You know, I'll, I'll throw, I'll slide through things that sometimes I have a mild connection to that, you know, that it just doesn't, I see it and I go now, but like, <laughs> you know, if there's, if there's an emphasis on something, like I said, that, that Carter's piece is a good recent example for me. There's others. And I'm sure those of you listening to this can think of them too, but that's it. You're, you're, you're creating for a purpose, for an intent to build upon, you know, a brand is always evolving. There's never, you know, there really isn't any, <laughs> there isn't a brand that exists now for like, you know, you don't do the same thing for 30 years and then get out. Right. I mean, like you were always trying to, to, to steal a line from Keith, you're always trying to to prune and then, you know, grow and evolve but that's sort of the, the the benefit of growing with your audience as opposed to spamming them and then seeing what sticks do you ever feel challenged either yourself or because you do work with let's quote unquote clients more than I do to have to answer to when people say like, oh, but this brand, look at this brand, they're doing this, they're posting every day, they have a million followers, shouldn't we be doing the same thing? Like, what is your answer to that? Yeah, there's a lot of factors to it. First of all, you know, for our purposes, specifically in my industry and the way we work with clients, sometimes it's, you know, what the client that they're talking about is their commitment to the service level that we're providing is greater than what the other client is paying for, right? So like there's a cost benefit to some of these things. But to 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 get at more of the heart of the content issue, um it's about defining what you want to 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 be and what you stand for. I think the districts that, you know, the school districts that that do social well, um, that understand that it's the front door to your 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 organization, your district, you know, like that's that's the window to it are aware of that. So they, the pieces that are created for those districts, the content that's developed, if you were walking by, you would get a feel for what that district stands for and what, what, what matters to them and what matters to their community. I think sometimes a lot of, a lot of clients want it, want their cake and eat it too. They want all of that stuff, but they want every little thing also that they do somehow to get a plug or a mention through, through social. And 
it's a hard conversation to have. And sometimes it's sometimes it resonates and sometimes it doesn't. And it's it's a challenge. And it's probably one that I've been having for a very long time in my career to get to get client districts and clients in general to understand that, you know, it isn't about like, oh, everyone's on social. So tell everybody everything. It's really about be mission focused and zero in on what your what your pillars are as an organization and then I'll trust your creative team to identify those opportunities and then create pieces off of them that ladder back to what those those pillars actually are. Um, it's a challenge. It's hard. Um, you know, right. clients are demanding and they want what they want and you try to work and, and balance with it. But I think that's that's the client relationship issue where you have an expert versus someone who's paying for something, right? You have an expert who's providing the service versus on the other side of the table, someone who's paying for the service and both equally are coming at it with their own desires and wants and solutions to the, to the challenge. Um, so client relationships is it's a benefit, but I, you know, it's, it's a balance rather. I shouldn't say it's a benefit. It's a balance. And I think you have to sort of advocate for what you believe in and and what you feel like is right in terms of approach um and do your best to try to sell them on that um and i think also showing examples of what works is probably your biggest um your biggest chance for growth in terms of their mindset on it because those moments where you do create the pieces that have that impact and outperform everything by, you know, 10% and all this, you know, whatever, those are the ones you want to kind of bring back and say, this is what I was talking about. Let me walk you through why this is, this is where we need to be doing. We need to be doing more of this and maybe less of, of this. Um, I always feel like your best work is your best advocate for change. Mm. I was just thinking as you're talking about that, and an added challenge to the work that you do, but then also for people like me who are just, you know, smaller is that we have access to everyone's numbers, some of them, but we often operate based on the numbers that we see versus the ones that we don't see. So for example, I could go to someone's Instagram profile and see how many followers they have and and for most people's accounts, see how many people have liked a post. However, I cannot see their da analytics dashboard that shows how many people went to go click on their profile or made a purchase or a stat that like none of us can really track is what you said about just like telling a friend about it. So. I have to constantly be keeping myself in check to not compare myself to other people because, first of all, we all have different parameters, not parameters. We all have different metrics. Yeah, we all have different metrics. It, not metrics. It's like <gasps> it's it's well, maybe it's metrics. It's um. You were very polite at first. Well, I thought it was going to work. I'm like, no, that's not it. It's it's like the what we deem to be a success. Is it successful for you if your post gets 100 likes or is it 
success for you if you make 100 sales or is it successful for you if you land a client? Because I think we can get in our own heads and think like, okay, we have to have X amount of followers in order to you know, get this brand to sponsor me or in order to license my artwork or, or whatever it is. When often it's like, going back to what I was saying before, like, what if we just jumped directly to the source at like, get as close to the outcome as we want without putting the pressure of ourselves of jumping through all these hoops of, again, like getting followers or what we've been talking about in this conversation, like, oh, I have first I have to create like, you know, 20, 20 blog posts or TikTok videos or whatever it is. Success is beyond, I think, the surface level data, right? Like we know that there are likes and comments and, and, and things that we look at and go, oh, this is this is really resonating. But like how well you're telling your story and how well it supports what you're accomplishing, what you're trying to do, right? Like I think that's the level of I think that's success. Like, I think that is, is the framework of what we should be aspiring to do is, and, and less on, you know, whether it's instant, whether it's the gratification of seeing a post perform really well or seeing someone else's post perform really well and feeling jealous about that, like staying in your lane and worrying about your priorities and then creating the content, telling the stories that support those as best as possible as well as you can I think that's more true to what our audience would expect from us if you've enjoyed this episode help us spread the word on social media tag us at pod for creatives and let us know which stood out to you I keep thinking about what you just said like it's it's like it's not great I feel like with all these you know celeb projects and podcasts coming out like a lot of them are just like not really doing anything special, but no, but I, I have realized that like in my evolution as a podcast listener, like my, my taste for better produced like experiences has increased. It's not like I don't have a like for some of the more like you, you'll listen to it. It's a little bit more like it does sound like it's like ours. It sounds mm-hmm. like it's just being recorded in a basement somewhere and they have some sponsors obviously, but it's not, I like this. I like ones that are not. I, I tend to gravitate more towards ones that I, I feel like are more like they take you on an experience. It covers a topic. It's a it's a eight, seven, nine, ten part episode, and you just kind of like go along for the ride. Like I I I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I mean, not that it was a podcast, but like Miracle and Wonder was like. Oh yeah. I just want more content that's like that, and I get like not not thing. everyone can do it, but. No, you got to you got to have the funding, you got to have the time, yeah. you got to have the, you know, but like yeah, that was the best thing I probably consumed in all of last year, hands down. Hands it was down. it was really incredible and thank you for recommending it because I don't think like I was telling my dad this, like I definitely went into it more as a Malcolm Gladwell fan than a Paul Simon fan. Not that I I'm not a fan of him, but like I I really didn't know that much about him. And I just loved the approach that they took, that it wasn't like he was born here and then this is what happened (laughs) next. Like it was just, it was so masterfully woven and like just how it ended 
like with him talking about his dad was like like this is art like this is the best kind of art that exists yeah and i really loved that it was on a life story because life stories have a beginning and an end Mm -hmm. and like this did not have a beginning and an end and i think that was intentional because every time he felt like there might be an end coming he found a way and Mm -hmm. it led to another sustained period of success so yeah it's phenomenal and um I wish more people did that. Like, that's the thing about this, this Nick's book is like, it's about this period and, and it's so much more. I don't like biographies anymore. I don't like bios. I like, I mean, I used to like really get into like that sort of things, but like, honestly, I find when I'm, there's, there's usually a period of somebody's life that I'm most interested in. And when you have to sit through or, fast forward through depending upon your patience level when you have to sit through like 12 15 minutes of like where they came from the evolution until they get to that part that you're like so interested in it feels like such a waste where it's like i'd rather just go deep on this like mm-hmm. so i i appreciate pieces that do that that focus in on that that moment um i think that was also the thing about lincoln like that movie from 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 what was it now? about eight nine years ago with Daniel Day Lewis where like it wasn't a biography obviously but it focused in on like the Civil War like Gettysburg Address to an hour before I don't know if you've seen it but an I hour have not before, seen it okay I don't want to ruin anything for it but like it's not a, it's not a surprise like they I they don't show him getting killed mm-hmm. right? but like they focus in on like that period. And, and it's not, you know, his upbringing as a lawyer and how he got here and all this other stuff. And then it wasn't, you know, what we feel like we focused on Lincoln, which is like great emancipator. And then what happened after he got shot? Like, it, it's I appreciate that. It's like, that's what I'm interested in. So don't waste my time telling me about, you know, the life cycle and how we got, you know, just focus in on what matters. And I feel like with with the Paul Simon piece, it was like, this is his career as a storyteller like this is his career doing this and that's what we're going to talk about we're not going to talk about the breakup we're not going to really get too much into how he and simon and garfunkel came to be like it's it's just going to be the meat of what his essence is and that's what makes you hooked i've only i'm just at the beginning of it but i just started reading a book about Cary grant written by his daughter And she makes it very clear in the beginning that, like, this is not going to be a tell-all or a a biography. This is a story about a relationship between a father and a daughter. And I was like, I'm in. Like, I don't need to know, you know, all the all the Hollywood stuff. And um, I just I love I love when people take approaches like that to telling stories. yeah. I also just want to say I'm really excited for you for your next book because I feel like it's it's so in line with like, you know, when I read the Hamilton book and then the book that you got me, which I started like actually reading like every word of it over Christmas, took a little pause, need to go back to it. But like it was that kind of excitement that like this is so specific about something that I really, really love. And like, no one ever talks about stuff like this. I know. I know. And like, that makes it more special that like, it's, it's just you in the book, you know, and not to say like, I'm sure there, there are, I know that there are other people, but. 
I get that wholeheartedly. It's a special relationship and you know, you do feel like it's meant for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, and I think that's why, like, I, I, I tend to take my time with those types of things because I never want it to end. Mm-hmm. I remember saying that to you about miracle and wonder. Like I never really wanted it to, to, to stop. I just wanted to keep going. And I remember when I got to the end, I was just like, Oh, that's, that's it. Like I never wanted to look how much more I had left. Like I just wanted, I was just hoping there was always another number mm-hmm. in the episode string. Um, and in many ways, like with the Nick's book, it's like that too, because I'm just falling and I'm, I'm remembering why I fell in love with this team as a kid to begin with learning a lot more about behind the scenes things. And the access is incredible, but like, you just remember that time and you feel like, boy, this is like, I know there's a lot of people who have these feelings for this ball club, but this is my relationship with this team. Like it's special. It's very special. 